Hey, this is Tim, and uh, I just want to apologize for the sound of my microphone on this episode. I was experiencing technical difficulty. Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Phil Roots, and Tim Sway. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 201 for September 18th, 2019. My name is Phil Pinsky. With me, as always, are Bill Lutz and Tim Sway. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. <laughs> Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Ryan Ridgely, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Kling Spores, Josh Alexander, does he go by Joshua maybe? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to confirm that. And Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. What? are we working on bill lutz talk to us about that door that door got uh installed temporarily to see if things would fit and it does so all i gotta do now is cut my slot make my little jig and um put a clear coat on it add the glass or uh, plexiglass or lexan whatever the corrugated plastic middle and uh, it's a done deal it'll be installed by uh this time next week you know what I was just thinking? Uh, so you're cutting a groove into the bottom so that it'll ride on some kind of a rail? Is that right? Uh, well, a, a slot so that, that a guide, it, it will ride over a guide, and not on it, just over it so you can't kick out the bottom. Okay. It, are you yeah. planning on reinforcing the wood with any kind of metal? No. No? Okay. I don't know why I it'll thought that fine. maybe like eventually like someone, if they hit the door enough, they could break the wood. I don't think so because this thing is an inch and a half thick, and I'm only cutting an eighth inch slot. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, it's only an eighth inch. Yeah. You could you could just freehand that with a skill saw, man. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. That's what we were I'm talking about. Just make a simple jig. I trust me. I I was gonna cut it with a jig with a skill saw. It's just the only mm. problem is I'd have to do it sideways, right? And I don't want to do that sideways. Yeah. But All I you have to do is lay down while you're doing it, and then everything will be normal. You could have crazy glued like a piece of wood onto the saw plate and then just or, use it as a guide. Or I could just make a really simple three pieces of wood jig that'll fit on the bottom of my palm router and make three passes. It'll be done. I mean, fine. If you want to do it the easy, safe way, whatever. Or, or. Not, that you would want to, not that you would want to do this, but it would be fun as heck. Is like, what if you cut a hole into Casey's floor, mounted your skill saw in the floor, hung the door, turned the skill saw on, and just closed the door over the saw. Best video ever. Then, of course, you have to, you know, repatch the floor and build but, the masonry okay, up and all that. The silliness aside, Tim, that just popped up an idea in my head. What if I, instead of cutting a slot on this door, what if I just mount another piece of wood to the back side of that door that has an eighth inch gap in it? And I don't oh, yeah, you can do that, too. Thing. Yeah. You probably got the room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You do that. It could kind of look like a like a like a piece of trim almost. You wouldn't see yeah. it because it would be on the back. Almost side like of um, almost like the like the weather stripping that they put. You know, yeah. like yeah. yeah, it'd be just like hanging down. Yeah. A yeah. rabbit, a rabbited strip on the back side. And then of put it. the and then put the pin there. 
Yeah, you could just yeah. run that right on your table saw and then just wood glue and staple it to your, or, you know, nail it to the inside of the door and then put your yeah. track there. I feel like we have really gotten to know this door over the course of the last few months. Well, this door has been a year in the making, so we've all had a time to yeah. chew it over. <laughs> yeah, so we've had we had a year to think about it, and yet somehow we all yes. still screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's remarkable. It's like the next season it's of Game skill. of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, it's a skill, really. So, anyway, that, that was fun. Just getting knowing. Because I had to take the measurements of the, the height and everything and where the rail was going to be, but I can't mount the rail directly to the wall. It has to be mounted to a piece of trim that's the same size as the trim that they put around the opening, right, to keep everything flat. Anyway, that being said, I had to, I had to make everything mounted with the hardware based in my shop, which is... 25 miles away from Casey's salon. So I, I didn't know if I got things right until I got there, mounted the rail system, the, the rail that it rides on, and um, hung the door. And it's perfect. It's perfect. It's level. Everything is, I'm just, I'm excited about that part. So that was like, that's kind of neat because I was like, you know what? Well, if I, if I have to fix anything, I can do that. I can either cut the board that the rail is mounted on if I have to lower it or I could cut the door itself if it's too long you know I mean all these things going through my head it's like I, I'm already figuring out how to fix my screw up there were no screw ups so. and there are no screw ups yeah, uh, another question about this track though it, does, it stands to reason that it, the door is against the wall right so it can push in towards the wall like what like an inch maybe mm, yeah maybe 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 less, but then it could also then it can pull out, which is the main concern. What I mean, couldn't you just screw something to the floor that's just just like one bolt in essence to the floor in the right spot, and that so, would keep the door from being able to swing out? Right. Yes, you can, but that still allows way too much play. The dis the the, the gap two bolts, one on either side of the door, so the whole door is just. Or I could just again cut a slot in the bottom and put the little guide track that's made for it in the floor by by. I think it's going to be way easier to just mount the skill saw on the floor. I mean, that's definitely. Mm -hmm. the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting out of this. Well, then, and then when you're done, you just you just cement over the skill saw, just leave it there, and use the saw blade as the track pin. I was going to say, uh, why even bother? That's not putting, dangerous. Yeah. yeah. It's called an artifact. That's what it's called. <laughs> Treasure for someone capsule. to find. Yeah. Yeah. Time capsule. Yeah. And, and what do you do with the time capsule and tools that you find from, from the past? You reclaim them. Uh -huh. This all ties yep. into our podcast. Oh, 100%. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Are the Emmys on? Like, I think the Emmys are on. Like They're coming up. Um, and I frankly, I'm a little surprised that no one has nominated us because uh, <laughs> the, the acting Emmys? ability on this podcast <laughs> is just wow. Well, I mean, the fact that we actually act like we're doing a podcast is pretty amazing. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's half the battle, G.I. Joe. Yeah. Um, okay. Emmys, Emmys are cool, but I really I really feel like Pulitzer should be calling us pretty soon. And frankly, Pulitzer, forget you. I'm waiting for Nobel. I'm waiting for that phone call. Eh, all right. Yeah. You know, he, has a, he has a surprise? Yeah. Well, pieces. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, everyone can agree that we're... Don't peaceful yeah don't these awards have like jokes that people tell as a monologue type thing i have a really good kind of religious joke that's not offensive that is impossible you should get to the questions but if you want to try do your okay. thing uh let's see if i can remember this hold on uh, so there's four major religious truths right 
And one of them is uh, Muslims don't recognize Jews as being God's chosen people, right? That's just not what they believe. Uh, Jewish people don't recognize Jesus as being the Messiah. Um, Protestants don't recognize... Protestants don't recognize the the Pope. The Pope is being the the head of like the Christ the Christian religions, right? That's right, Tim. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was Baptists don't re- recognize um, each other at Hooters. That's the joke. Yeah, you took that much time away from my life for that <laughs> joke. <laughs> Phil's still going. What do you mean the Muslims don't recognize us? No, no, that part I know. Um, uh, that's unfortunately the world knows that. That was funny. Come on, it's, I feel like that required a niche audience, uh, which which is not Tim and I. <laughs> 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 that was like uh, that could have been a risque joke for sixty-five-year-old Southern. Baptists, maybe. I, 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 I've exhausted my humor, so the rest of the podcast might be a little bit on it's the bland side. Funny, I feel exhausted oh. too. Um, here we go. God. <laughs> so I think we should get to the questions because we only have like five or six more episodes worth of questions to do. But can I? Can I? Just oh yeah, tell us what you're working. On. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that I finished. I had two things I want to say. Is I finished that giant uh, the double bass that I've been working on for like about six weeks now, and so I just wanted to. You know, just say that I did that, and uh, and the videos should be coming out pretty soon, and, and it works, and it was all made of garbage. I'm really proud of myself for that. Whether you guys care to acknowledge that or not, that's fine. And um, I think garbage. Also, did you make a, a double bass, a stand-up bass? You know that. So you made two bases. I know that you made them. Second base. Yeah. Second base. You made them like the yeah. same one you were selling to somebody. The other one was a prototype. Yeah, we get that. What else, Tim? What? Yeah. <laughs> you got to second base. We get it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You already used up your humor. That's why that's there. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and the other thing I wanted to, to say was that my my new CNC machine started showing up. So that's kind of exciting. Oh, so I got that is cool. 13, 13 boxes, I think, or something like that, or uh, 14 boxes of CNC parts to start. Uh, going through and it's about the if you were to, if you were to print out I was talking to Jeff Shaw because he has the same format but a larger machine of ideal grain and he, he invited himself or he offered to come help me <laughs> <laughs> great Freudian slip like that Nice yeah, he's himself over. <laughs> no, he, he offered to come help and um, so I'm, I'm saying this because I was going to text Jeff tonight to see what Daisy's available to help if he's if we can work on it. So I'm going to try and do it this week um, because he was telling me he's like, hey, save yourself the trouble and print out the the manual. Uh, you know, he's like, it'll cost you a few bucks, but it's just easier than going to a computer and flipping through a PDF. And uh, so I went to print it, and it was 315 pages. So Jeff, <laughs> you want to bring your book with you? <laughs> no. uh, I'm not going to print that. But I mean, um, dumb what question. I you don't have an iPad? No, I borrowed a um, I borrowed a Kindle. Uh, from oh, either, my mother-in-law that she's not even better. So because she she got a new one, so I, I put her on that. But um, still, still something about having the paper the flipping back and the forth. Pages is going to be way quicker yeah. than trying to and make Kindle it. Yeah, 
yeah, and make yeah. notes. But yeah, I'm just gonna use the Kindle. I don't wanna I don't wanna print all the, the paper. But so, so um so that was how, what I wanted how, to say. I was gonna say how less intimidated are you now? Like this is not then, your first CNC, right? You've you've done this a few times. Even though it's thirteen plus boxes, how less intimidated are you to get this up and running? You're just more excited than you are intimidated, I assume by now. Yeah, I'm not intimidated by this. I, like, because I, I did put one together by Avid CNC, you know, before. It was a different, a little bit different of a design and stuff, and a lot less to build. But um, I did it, and it's been working for me for years. So, I mean, I, I know I can do it. I just know that it's going to take time. And, oh, of um, but it just, the timing worked out well because I, I just finished up that bass, and then I'm starting a guitar very soon um, for Total Boat. And, uh, so like I was initially I was like well I'll, I'll work on it and then I was kind of like you know what maybe I should just take a couple more days before I start this guitar for Total Boat and just put this thing together and then make the, do the CNC work that I need to do for that project on the new CNC you know so I might just like uh, bite the bullet and I was going to go in today and start on it but I ended up just staying home and editing video all day so, so. another lazy Monday days to rest man this is going to be a huge thing might as well I might just take the week off, yeah, because that's that's what independent businessmen can do. Who <laughs> are independently wealthy? Yes. Take, take yeah. a breath. This is this is advice that's free and it's good. You're welcome. Okay, I will take it and I will take a breath and let Phil take over. Um, I will just say that um, I tried to make something and it did not go well, so I'm gonna have to make it again. It just uh, there's this Reddit sub sub subreddit that I love looking at it's called battle stations and it's people's desks and computer setups and how like how they've set them up and like they're always super clean you can't see any of the cables they have like cool monitor setups like multi monitors and stuff and rgb lights and all that stuff and anyway so I, i've tried to be as cool as possible with the desk that i sit at um uh, when i'm working from home and i wanted to make this little i guess bar thing to hide all the cables and maybe mount a couple of speakers on um, and I just sort of guessed the dimensions and made it this way. <laughs> <laughs> and I was way off and it doesn't work at all and I've wasted the wood. So uh, so I now I just, as I was sitting here a couple hours ago working, I, uh, I took a look at actual, I have my tape measure down here and I actually said, and I was like, oh, I'm like really off. So I'm gonna make it again tomorrow and, and it'll be cool, I'll post some pictures. What, what, uh, what do you take away from that? Uh, Measure the thing you want to make, and then make it. So, so it was off because it was too big. No, it was too small, and like hole placement and all kind of stuff. Like, I mean, it was good as a prototype, right? I iterated, right? So I could see, oh, okay. really, the hole placement shouldn't be there; it should be higher up or whatever it is. So maybe it wasn't a total waste, um, but it was kind of kind of silly. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and had I known I was building a prototype, I would have just used like melamine or something instead right. of. I had some. I used actually used some like nice maple or something. So the takeaway is don't build maple prototypes. Yes, although that's yeah, I'm surprisingly succinct coming from that corner of the podcast. <laughs> 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 and accurate. Yes. Okay. Castiones. Okay. Here we go. Uh, All right. uh, do we have to do Paul Jackman's? Um, you you ask it, only. You ask it, I'll answer it. Okay. Paul Jackman wrote in. I <clears throat> hope we have enough time to read this, uh, this question. He so, just wrote, so, he just wrote, why? My answer? Because I said so. Yes. Next. <laughs> I was just he wants to call because... me dad, he's going to get the treatment. 
Because. <laughs> okay, good. Same. We got him okay. out of the way. Whew. Yeah. Next is Greg Fitzgerald. Who's reading this one? Uh, I'll read it. I it's can... um. You oh, you can read it, Bill. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I just. What are you today? Are you uh, your anonymous hyena today, Bill? <laughs> okay, um, Greg Fitzgerald, who is Pop Pop of Gang Game Pop Pop fame, has uh, he has three questions for us. The first one's a two-parter, and he asks, um, "How did I ever find this podcast, and why do I look forward to listening every week?" Uh, Sounds rhetorical. Maybe. Hey, just maybe keep reading. Medication? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then his serious question is, uh, how much time does making a video of a project take away from the actual doing? With all the folk out there on the intertubes, does making a video help anymore? I'm considering it, but I want to hear from you three. And he's, that's a really, really yeah. good question because it tackles two things. One is the time commitment to making the videos, and the other is, is there really a need to make any more of these videos? Hmm. Um, uh, I can tell you that... Yes, it, there's a lot of help. It, it takes about uh, three times longer to actually do a video. Like it takes three times longer. That, like if I made something, it takes three times longer to make it and video it and edit and put out a video. Um, is there a need for it? I mean, why are we making it? Uh, like what is what is the purpose, right? Are we are we putting out a video to uh, to educate? Are we putting out a video to monetize? Are we putting out a video to entertain, to be part of a community? There's so many reasons why we put it out there. We don't just put it out there to, you know, to show someone how to make a box, right? So uh, I think that's a very personal question as far as why someone would want to put out a video and why other people would want to watch it. I personally, um, there was a period of time where there was a deluge of amazing um, content. I find, and I'm being totally honest right now, I find that I kind of have to look for better stuff right now. I guess maybe like my standards have gone up because everyone is like a cinematographer now, but I find that I'm much more discriminating about what I watch and that there's a bit of a, a lack of very specific content that I'm looking for, unless I'm going outside of what I'm looking like. A, all of a sudden now I, I'm into watching Excel tutorials and programming videos and along with the woodworking stuff that I love. So See, I, I would say there absolutely is a need um, without question. None of that it's a personal thing. No, there's a need for, for videos out there. If you, Greg and Tim all made, uh, say, Hey, let's all make a coffee table out of maple and we want a shape that's triangular, right? You're all going to have the same build basically, but there's three different perspectives on how it goes. So there's a, there's absolutely a need for that out there because, uh, your, 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 what you're looking for, Phil, might have changed as far as the types of content you're looking at now, right? But you're going to come back to that at some point. And there's going to be, it's like, you know what, I'm going to get some ideas for this. Boom, mm -hmm. boom, boom. You, you have multiple videos out there that will give you more ideas than just watching Jimmy make one thing, right? Sure, that's that's inspiration and, and all that good stuff. We'll kiss up to a little bit to Jimmy as normal. But, uh, but sometimes you want more than that. You want a different perspective, especially if you're new. Imagine a... a you know, somebody's like, wow, it's my first bigger project. I'm going to make a table. So he's going to look up everybody that's made a kitchen table, right? Mm -hmm. And watch them mm -hmm. over and over again. They're all going to be pretty much the same. That's a good point. Different base design or whatever. But it's like any and all content I think is good if it's out there. Some of the video quality might suck. Some of the 
uh, narration might be great. Some others might suck. Uh, you get guys like Frank Howarth and even what's his name that asked that stupid question before this one. Uh, and they're amazing wizards with making the video itself. So there's all kinds of different things to do, but content is good. I, I think so. Yes, Greg, I think there's a need for it. If you got the extra time uh, to knowing that, like Phil said, it's going to take probably three times longer to build a project when you add content. Mm. Of course, there's a need. I think there is. I think there is. Even if only one person watches it and gets something out of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's you know how many how many thousands of colleges are there in the United States of America? Do we need all of them if they're all just giving you the same right. BA degree? Right. Now, you know, I mean, there's teach math. I mean, hello, who needs that? Right. How many how many people do you need to teach you math? Um, it's about finding the voice that that works for you. Um, and find, you know, and what you want. I mean, like like Phil said, there's a lot of reasons to do it. It's not just tutorials. Um, there are guys that make great tutorials. There are people that just make entertaining videos. You know, um, there's a diff there's different reasons to watch. I find myself what what I look for is I look for people that I find entertaining and interesting, um, and projects that I find interesting. Um, you know, uh, like the technique stuff. I look for when I'm stumped. And then I go looking for those videos, and maybe they right. aren't filmed as well, and maybe they aren't. The storytelling isn't as good because I need to figure out how to make this cut and do this thing. And then, and so the people that do that, they don't. They maybe don't get the the views like, oh, like ring the bell, this video's out. But they're the people that you know they're there when you need them. Mm -hmm. And there's that longevity of it. And then there's like the sort of video du jour. It's just like it's like a, a you know a TV show. Like you watch it for a week, and it's your favorite show that week. And then the next night, your next favorite show is on. You know, some of it's like that too. So yeah, as long as there's a, as long as there's an audience for it, there's a reason to do it. Totally, I agree. Yeah. Even, even personally, like you were saying, Phil, it is kind of a personal question that you have to ask it. Why are you doing it? For what reason? Um, but don't rule out the reason that just you being that part of the community. It's like, hey, I made a video, right? That, well, that was one of my reasons, like for yeah. to be part of the, that community, which I get and I and I miss. Yeah. Me too. Me too, by the way. Uh, uh, I'm predicting the uh, uh, next video is going to involve a three-string three string slide guitar, but not out of a, a cigar box. Thank you for whispering that. Had you said it at full volume, the shock would have knocked me on my butt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still got a little, a little like, weak in the knees from that. Yeah. 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 I have that yeah. effect on, well, you too. Yeah, well, frankly, everyone. Tim, read the next question, please. I believe it's Bill's turn. Uh, let's see, question. Oh, PJ Galati, our buddy PJ. Yep. I believe he's down in Florida. Um, let's see. What oh. are your thoughts or methods for making things better than new or better than store-bought? And what does that mean to each of you? Um, I can answer part of that pretty quickly. I don't care if it's better than store-bought. Um, I don't... I don't I don't have that perspective. I don't ever think about what I'm making. It's not store-bought because I think if you want something store-bought, that's what you do is you buy store-bought. Um, better than new. See, and I think even though I think he meant that as like, you know, better than new or better than store-bought as being the same thing. No, no, because we're using reclaimed material. Right. So uh, I think it's better than new just for the fact that it's reclaimed material. So I make things and my wife asked me to make things not for the reason that like I'm going to make it cheaper or I'm going to make it better than, than store. I make things because they're custom, right? So my wife will buy like nine bins for the kids, like little stuffies and stuff like that. And then I build a, a cubby, a, a cubbies around that. 
So it's not like something that you could buy in store, and that's the reason I make them. Like I built, I made my daughter a custom closet. That one was to save money, but either way, it's a custom project. It's not like you can go in and, and buy something like that. Like maybe you could do IKEA, but it wouldn't necessarily be like the perfect fit, like something that you build custom. So that really is more my my reasoning for for making stuff at home. Um, it's certainly not to save. Usually, it's not to save costs. It's to make something that you just can't buy. Yeah, it's just not available. Excellent. Yeah, yeah that's. I mean, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes better than just means that it's not available. You know, yeah. like there's they, they 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 make this widget and that widget, but I want a widget that does this, and you know, and so then that's where. And you know, when I started my business making furniture, I was trying to compete with with everybody. And be like, oh well, yeah, you could buy that coffee table, or I can make it for you out of pallet wood or barn wood or whatever. And and then it, I kind of realized that when people send me like that that Pinterest picture of that ninety nine dollar you know, Ikea table or whatever. And they're like, can you make this? I'm like, no, they already do. Like that's, yeah. you, you want me to make something special. I can make you something special that no one else has. But if you just want me to duplicate something you saw in some picture, if they say to me, can you make this, but in these dimensions, then it's yeah. like, well, yes. <laughs> you know, yes, colors. I can. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's something for people to consider who are starting out to understand the power that you have by being able to build something. Because you... You can go, somebody has a, um, a bookshelf in their house, like a, a built-in, right? Built-in bookshelf. And they want to put in mm -hmm. a, a record player stand in that bookshelf. And that bookshelf is 87.3 inches wide. You can make something that will fit exactly in 87.3 inches wide. Or you can find something that's maybe 82 inches, right? So, again, that mm -hmm. customization where this is going to be built for you for this spot in your home. And don't don't lose sight of that because that's value. There's a lot of value in that, you know. Yeah, and so even just like someone sends you the paint codes for their wall paint, and now it shows up and it matches perfectly. Like little things like that. Like that's you know the stores can never do that, and that's what makes it better than new or better than store bought. Great hmm. question, PJ. I like that. Yeah, was that was a good question. question. Um, okay, Robert Kelly wrote. Um, it's weird. Okay. Uh, hey guys, had a couple of questions. First, how do you place a monetary value on free reclaimed items when you sell stuff? Um, okay, well, just because the raw material was free doesn't mean my time or expertise or yeah. or the time it took to take that reclaimed thing apart to make it into material was free. Exactly, it's it's, it's labor. There's all, there's market value, of course. Like you need to to be aware. Like sometimes you just get a, a good find. Like someone throws something away, and there's a market value to it. But there's also the labor. Like if you get a mahogany dining table off the side of the road, um, you know the the labor to cut that mahogany and the boards is way less than a pallet, and the wood is a higher quality. So that's like a win, you know, because now you can. Besides, you, you do have to account your labor and your gas and all that stuff, but you also you have something that has a higher market value, right? So you can compare it to, um, I don't do that too often. I look at it free as free, you know, and, and go accordingly with labor, but you can do that and be well within your rights to not be a con artist, you know? Well, just remember every lumber yard, that's how they do it. I mean, it's not- a Yeah, all the trees get cut the same. You know, I mean, they're they're talking about the labor to cut the tree, to mill the tree, to ship the the wood to. There's all that stuff is factored in the price. So you're doing the same thing. It's, you're yeah, it's no harder to cut the wood. You're transporting. Right. right. The walnut tree cuts just as easy as the pine tree, but the walnut tree is more rare. That mahogany dining table on the side of the road is just as more rare as that pallet. Right. Hundred percent. Agreed. Second, what yeah. is your best get? What is the one thing you've reclaimed that turned into your most profitable or most rewarding project 
Uh, mine's going to be a pretty sucky answer. Um, it's the whiskey box that I made like a thousand of. I mean, it was, I made panels out of pallet wood and I turned it into boxes and the rest is history. Um, I can't think of a specific, well, I guess maybe that maple desk that I pulled apart that I got a ton of material out of. That was a really good get, I suppose. Oh, actually, I think my favorite get was uh, I had a coworker call me up and said, hey, I'm throwing up my bed. Do you want, do you want some of the wood? Like okay, um, and like I showed up and it had all of these bed slats that were kind of like painted brown, so I had no idea what the wood was. Figured maybe it was poplar or pine or something, uh, and it was all uh, Maranti mahogany. So I had that as like free dark three quarter inch material for for like a year. It was fantastic. That was a good one. Mm. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, I would say that. One of my my best and biggest scores was um, that Kumaru deck that my client mm. gave me. So she was a client. I'd made a, an entire uh, reclaimed wood library for her, as well as a desk, um, something else. I think she had a ladder that went with it. So I had already you know done a pretty big job for her, and then they they wanted to rip out their their deck because they didn't want to stain it anymore, and they put a Trex deck in or whatever, and it was a pretty big deck. Um, it was, it was, you know, all this it turned out to be. She called it mahogany over the phone and, and sent me a picture of it, and it was already all ripped out and it was stacked in her driveway. Like I didn't have to do any. All I had to do was put it on my truck and go. And that was, uh, I mean, I broke a shock in my truck bringing it home. I ended up having to unload part of it and donate it. I must have told that story. You did. Um, I remember you didn't say that you broke a shock though. I did remember that you said that you had to give away some of it. Yeah. yeah, I had to because I couldn't drive. My I weighed my truck down too much, and I was gonna fly away like Mary Poppins or something. Every bounce I hit, I was like the truck was lifting off the ground. But um, but yeah. So then it turned out like um, like a few weeks later, I was like just every every bump was like the end of the world. The truck was handling like crap, and I brought him in my, into the shop, and I was like, hey, I got something going on back there. And they're like, hey, you broke a shock, you idiot. <laughs> I never even looked. I just like I had wow. it going in for something else, anyways. But, Do you um, also have to stash some of it somewhere and then go back for it later? No, I never went back for it. The store. Yeah, so I was I tried to get the the boards were some of them were like eighteen feet long and I had a six foot bed. I had a ladder rack, but so they were like basically like I had them up on the ladder rack and they were touching the ground in front of me and behind me. You know. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, it'll be fine. I mean, I had them all strapped down. They weren't going to fall off, but they were just so heavy that I went and I tried to get on the highway and I just couldn't control the truck safely. You know. Um, like wow. every bump I hit, like it was just so much weight at the front end was coming up and they were slam they were slapping around and so I pulled off and I was like, Well, I'll just back road home. It's only forty miles you know, which you know winding back roads, you know. And I know yeah. the state pretty well. I've driven all these roads, so I knew how to get home. But I you know, I so I was still on back roads and I went for like ten miles. I saw another thirty to go. I was just like like this is not this is not cool. <laughs> I need to, I need to, so I pulled into a mom and pop hardware store. And I, I didn't even have a handsaw on me. I didn't even think to bring a handsaw or anything. So I just said to the guy at the hardware store, I said, hey, listen, like, do you have any, I told him, like, I'm a reclaimer. This is what I do. I was like, do you have any customers like that? And he was like, yeah, you know, Merle or whatever, you know. I was like, listen, I was like, let me borrow a handsaw for 20 minutes. And I'm going to take all those long boards and cut them in half and leave them half of them here for you to give to Merle. And he's like, and he was like, you know, well, you can, you can come back and get them. I was like, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> your Merle felt good about that. that yeah, so I so I just went. I, he gave me a handsaw. And I just cut them all in half, like all the long boards. I cut in half. I left probably 
Uh, I mean, if they were 18 feet long, so they're probably 9 feet when I cut them in half, I probably left 10 9-foot-long, 5.5-inch-wide boards. That's, that's maybe maybe 12. For somebody. Talk about a uh, get. Somebody's yeah. got to get. Of 1-inch of, of thick, not 3-quarter, 1-inch thick Brazilian Kumaru. Right. Wow. I bet Merle is next doing year, a podcast yeah, right now going, some idiot <laughs> yeah. left me all yeah, these boards. he's got boards. his own podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it works. Yeah, exactly, because everybody has a I'm, podcast. I'm going to... I'm going to take the cheesy uh, buttering up our audience approach, and I'm going to say some of the best gets I get are some of the stuff that um, people in the community and our listeners have sent me. Um, and it could be a, a, a license plate from Texas or that beautiful piece of uh, veneer, African hardwood veneer that somebody sent me that I made my daughter's uh, cigar box guitar with. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the tools that my pod mates have sent me. Uh, I mean, that part of it is neat. I have found some really cool stuff over the years. I really have. But it's like the the community stuff, is, it's pretty special. When you, when you get something in the mail, it's like uh, um, wood turning tools and different types of wood. And You know what I'm saying? It's just that's, that's the best gets. Mm-hmm. Most profitable. Um, just having access at the airport dumpster days every year. Yeah. Uh, that That's probably the I'm most jealous. possible. I can, yeah. That's, that's, that's rich person shopping. trash. That's shopping, baby. That's shopping. <laughs> nice. Um, I guess that lines up well for this next one for Tim to take it. Okay. Um, let me see. We got... Uh, <laughs> I I had uh, Robert and and Brian are two people that came to visit my shop around the same time, and I saved uh, I saved the, uh, Robert as Brian in my phone, um, and so I thought every time he texted me, his name was Brian. I knew his face, and I remember the conversation. I knew who he was, but I thought his name was Brian. I just switched him up in my head, so that's why he signed it as Robert, not Brian Kelly. But his uh, his handle on Instagram is Maker by Proxy, um, and he wrote. Um, Okay, so how are you placing a value on the use of your automated equipment? I know it's simple enough to figure the time you use on your computer and your programming, but how are you calculating the resource that your laser and CNC are using? Um, That's a really good question, and there are probably formulas for that that I don't follow. Uh, I'm in a slightly unique position because I like I paid for these machines in trade like I paid for them in content so I didn't pay for them in cash so they are paid for in a different way so it's like my operating costs don't have to like cover the purchase you know so I feel like I can do better than like if you know if someone calls a laser shop and needs a bunch of stuff laser etched they probably have this fee to just turn the machine on I feel like that my way to sort of give back is that I don't have that fee like, you know, so I will basically run the machine. I mean, I know that there's um, consumables that are involved in, in any any type of work, you know, whether it's your table saw or your drill, whatever, you know, you use up drill bits, you use up batteries. Um, so you do have to take that into account. Like if I have a project that's gonna use a, a quarter inch end mill, uh, the end mill needs to kind of be paid for because they don't last for long. If it's a small project, not a big deal, but if it's, uh, you know, they want me to cut up a, you know, a whole four by eight foot sheet of plywood, like I, I gotta, pay for the $30 end mill to do it like that's mm-hmm. gonna get up so you know things like that but other than that it's like yeah it's like the the time is in the uh, the time the machines running is sort of just like my time like I don't like say okay well the machines running I'm doing something else now mm-hmm. um, but then at the same time it's like 
if it's like someone has an image, because a lot of it's like the design and the computer time. Like if someone has the image and I can open it up and it's like all I have to do is hit print and it's going to print, then I'm not really, I'm not really charging for that. But if like I need to design it and draw it, I have to, I have to charge an hourly rate to sit at the computer and do all that. You know how I see it. Also, I mean, you take a look at something that's a that's a passive income, like. Uh, like let's say I don't know some of these guys who make plans and sell them right they made the plans once and then they just get they just get sold over and over and over again right for the same amount of money it's not like on the tenth time that it's downloaded or the thousandth time it's downloaded that it's charged any less so if you put the time and effort into designing a project in CNC and if you make that project once ten times or a thousand times you're getting paid on the intellectual property of that design and and having it cut out is you're adding your operator time to that so there's the IP portion of it and then there's the operator time of it and and that's sort of how I've seen it. And that's generally the way it's it's been done at any place that I've worked um, you know we've got our R&D costs for developing the item and then and then there's the operator cost that that's part of the overhead that just is what it is like just because you press print doesn't mean that's the entire portion of your work behind a CNC operation. You still have to bolt it down. You've got to keep an eye on eyeball on it. It's not like you, you can leave the shop and come back and it's done. Sometimes things mess up, the bits get caught, the material gets screwed up. Mm. You know, there's all kinds of things that happen. So it's, it really isn't a set it and forget it kind of operation the way people think CNC is. You really do have to be there and keep an eye on it. You know, but, but laser kind of is. Um, sure. It's a lot more user-friendly like that, which is one of the reasons like the the, we were talking about the pre-show, the Lexan squares that I'm making. Like that's a way. Like I, I already had the design time paid for by the metal squares that are, you know, being made by a laser. But they're actually labor intensive for the guy. He has to stand there and babysit that machine because I don't like, you know, melt the sun or whatever. But right. my laser, like I can put, a, I can put a piece of Lexan in and and run the file and and walk away, and that's pretty passive. Um, but yeah, the CNC is, yeah, you you need to be there. I mean, you, sure, you can you can sand something, you know, while you're there, but you can't. You can't go do something else, you know. No. You got to do. No. You just got to treat you it like a kid. Of, yeah, you got to hover. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I can answer the the question in a more Neanderthalic Bill way. Um, another way you might consider doing something. I worked I worked for a nonprofit pet hospital, and we finally got up enough money from donations, and the the hospital was allowed. They bought um, uh, imaging, uh, um, the kind of like pregnant ladies do on their stomach. What do you call that? Ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. The ultrasound. So. Uh, when you come in to get an ultrasound, there's a, there's a set price for that ultrasound. And over time, it's going to pay for that piece of equipment. Then everything after that time is basically, it's, it's a way to make money. So if it were me, if I had, you're going to figure out your time and your effort and your energy, uh, materials, and your, and your pricing. Now I have this laser that I'm going to use or a CNC or whatever that may be. Charge an extra 10 bucks. And if you're going to be doing this consistently, at some point it's going to pay for that piece of equipment. And then you're going to start making a profit on it. But you don't have to gouge anybody to do that. Just figure in there. It's like I'm using this piece of equipment as part of my my sales. So instead of trying to figure out some really kind of weird formula, it's like what can I tack on that's fair, that's going to be a part you know, to pay for that machine, and if it costs you two hundred dollars and you charge ten bucks after twenty projects, it's paid for itself. You know, and do that mm. accordingly to to the the expense of the machine and the the size and the, uh, the projects. If you're if you're building a kitchen table, 
you might tack on a little bit more if you're using a giant CNC that you have, Phil. If it's more like the Piranha and you're making some iPhone holders that have uh, somebody's name in it, it's like, hey, I'm going to charge three bucks for use of this machine every time and, uh, you know, a hundred iPhone holders. Plus the hourly rate. Yeah. 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 So, so the way you, that's like, that's a good way to do it if you're like a hobbyist or you're getting into it, you're stepping your foot into business. But if you are really like thinking about buying like several four by eight CNCs, um, the, 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 what you would call that is amortization, right? So you'd amortize right. your cost. You take a look at how long you expect that machine to actually run for. If you think that's a machine that's gonna, it's got a lifespan of 10 years, you take the cost a lot of, of it. research that goes into that too. Don't buy eight machines that big if you don't know what, what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Fair enough. But assuming that you are an industrial shop and you're buying a five axis CNC because you're going to be making uh, aluminum molds for carbon fiber, it's it's an amortized cost. So you, it, right. you expect that that machine's going to last you 10 years. You take that cost, you divide it over 10 years, and that's what you got to cover on a per year, per week, per project basis. And, yep. and there really isn't that, like, once you've covered the machine, everything's gravy afterwards. You just assume that that cost is built into every single project that you take on, and that's how you finance the thing. So if you're, you know, if you're a hobbyist or, or a big shop, there's definitely ways out there that you can do it. Yeah, that's um, we talked in the last week's about uh, taxes and getting my, our taxes done. That's one of the things that my accountant comes up with every time we go through my list. I have, you know, um, you know, consumables, you know, materials, and one of my categories is tools. And so every time I give him my tools number, he always confirms with me. He's like, are those tools that you're still going to have in seven years? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think he always goes to seven for some reason. But, um, you know, to remind me that, like, a drill bit doesn't count as a tool because no. that's not... You know, and even like my even like my cordless drill is technically a consumable, you know. But then the bigger tools, and you know, because they, they don't last seven years. <laughs> no, but that's a very Sometimes interesting thing. Everything is schedule. a consumable, though, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I mean, I I wouldn't count like my palm sanders usually last like two years, right? But I I still put them down as tools. I don't put them down as consumables. But technically, here's the thing: to, you can get financing based on stationary tools. You can't get financing on a cordless drill, and that's why. Right. And that's why he's he's amortizing it that way. You come right. see me; I'll make you a good deal on. <laughs> yeah. Low, okay. low down payments. Here we go on the DL. Here we go next. Um, Bill, this one's yours. Uh, yeah, um, just just skip the first part. <laughs> uh, is this Matt? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so Matt. There says um, we don't care who he's really talking about. Uh, quick question, okay. When someone says they want you to make something for them and they never get back to you, when would be a good time to get in contact with them about doing the job for them? Uh, I get a lot of people saying that they want me to make something for them and then never get back in contact with me. What do you do in that situation? Well, that's a good one. Mm. I get in touch with them. You don't want to seem too needy, right? I think that's, no. I think that's a fear is that it's like, it's like you're. It sounds like he. You're a little Matt. It sounds like you're a little more hungry for the work than they are to get the build. That's that's a, that's a. I've done this. Here's what I do. Yeah. I um I phrase it as though, hey, I know I'm going to be busy in the next few weeks. Um, I'm exactly. running out to get material. Let me know if you're still interested, and that way I can make sure that I have enough time and material to get this job done for you. I, I make it seem like I'm doing them a favor by reaching yeah. back out. Sorry I haven't got back That's to you in a couple of weeks, but I've been super busy. I have a week free. Do you, are you still interested? Yeah, something That's like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly how I do it. I, I, I say it as like, you know, hey, I'm just trying to firm up my schedule for the next quarter. You know, yeah. I need <laughs> to know. Quarter. <laughs> <laughs> you're so pretentious. Yeah. I, 
like I, you know, we discussed this project. Informs me that we've got a gap <laughs> yeah. in our schedule next yeah. month on Thursday at four forty-five. Yeah. Uh, this quarter. Yeah. No, seriously, I, I I do think like month or quarter. That's how I look at it. It's like, hey, I'm for next month. I know we talked about this. Like, I need to know, you know, if we're gonna do this and you know and all that. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So that's an, that's an easy one. Yeah, take that. Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> Phil, um, uh, this is our last one. I think we did it. Wow. Or did you have some more? Did you have some more from the European market? From the Europe? No, nothing from the another. Uh, nothing from the Nasdaq or Nikkei. Um, <laughs> hey, Phil, Tim, and Bill, congrats on making two hundred. Hope it's until you quick. Um, if you could redo, undo anything in your life or career, what would it be and why? Love the podcast. Give it the great work, Addison Rogers. Uh, that's like a monster of a question. Um, I want to make the ground rule though. We're not allowed to say I would not have had Bill be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we've already played that. We card. already okay. did that, didn't we? We said we said that the last time someone asked this question, um, and I said then I still would have Bill. Oh, I love you too. Well, uh, he, didn't, he didn't know. No one said that. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You you really rounded up there. Um, um, so. I'll go first. If you could redo, undo anything in your life or career, what would it be and why? That That's, wow. Um, that could be so, you know, because obviously any changes you make in your past will affect your future, blah, blah, blah. It's Let's, a three-hour-long conversation for each one of us. All right, so this yeah. is what I'm going to say. I'm going to add knowing what you know now to that equation so we can answer it. Right. Um, so one of, one of the things I would do differently for me, honestly, I, I've just always looked back at, at a missed opportunity for... Uh, community, having fun, um, buckling down, education, learning, finish school, go to college. That would have been, that is something I often think like, what would my life, just if, if everything was normal, knowing what I know now, instead of wasting those years, because I feel like I did that, um, I would I would go back to school and I graduate high school with the, with the excitement of going to college because my daughter's doing that right now. She's in, she's in her senior year and she's making plans to further her education and the excitement that I see in her, whether she's going to come do that in California or do that in Utah or maybe Oregon or all these different options she's got and the excitement I see in her eyes, I would love to experience that. So I'm going to do it a little bit by proxy through her. But there's my answer. That's terrific. Excellent. Tim, any uh, giant errors okay. in your life? Um, Man, don't say well, that. <laughs> I would never. That would, if anything, it'd be a, to have started sooner, but um, and, and made more. The um, I always go back to uh, Star Trek Five. I think it was called the Final Frontier, the Voyage Home, <laughs> uh, the the movie. You, um, those are two movies. Yeah, which one was Star Trek Five? It was the the, the Final the Frontier. Voyage Home, the Final Frontier. Voyage Home was four. Three was Search for Hang Spock. On. Two was Wrath of Khan. And one was stupid. What was the first one? Stupid. Star Trek Five. Star Trek Five was the Final Frontier. Yes, and that's the one where uh, Spock's half brother is there, and he's like a healer. He was a cult leader, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he and he says he takes away everybody's pain, right? And there's the scene where he's trying to take away Kirk's pain. Yeah. And uh, and Kirk says, "But I, I need my pain. That's what makes me who I am," you know, in his Kirk way. And that's how I feel. Like I don't. I've had all sorts of horrible things happen in my life, like all of us. Mm-hmm. And I've had all sorts of wonderful things happen in my life, like all of us. And I'm, I'm so happy and blessed to be where I am right now. I would be afraid to tip the balance of the scales in any direction and erase and change any of it. I cop out, cop out. What decision have you made that you wish you would have made a different decision? Like having Bill Lutz on my freaking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
nothing but net. Um, the, it, but if, if you really want me to answer, it would be things like I would quit smoking sooner and quit drinking sooner and all that stuff. Sure. I mean, I would have grown up like, faster, I guess, in some ways. Those are choices um, that you made. You could have made better choices. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, uh, but I, like, unlike you, Bill, I did go to college and I, I almost feel like I would have like not wasted my time in college because <laughs> 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 it, it sort of slowed me down. But, uh, maybe yeah. you only know that because you did it. You wouldn't know that exactly not, because of the stock five. But it would have always been a regret. You'd be like, "Man, I should have gone to college." But now at least, yeah. Like, and then you go, and I that's find, the whole "I need my pain" thing. That you can't change it. You, you know? know what I find? I find we regret the things we didn't do. We don't regret the things we did, even if they were mistakes, because you don't know until you do it. Yeah, that's well well said. Yeah, you know, uh, I think I, I wish I was better with money earlier on. I um, I. I got my real estate license in my early 20s thinking that I was going to make a fortune. Um, I went to go work as a business broker and for like four years I basically ran a deficit, you know, keep waiting to build that pipeline of, uh, of sales and, uh, and stuff happened and I had to move out of my parents' house and I was on my own and everything was on the credit card and like some months I'd be make like seven grand and the next three months I'd make nothing. And uh, by the end of it, I racked up like 25 grand, and it took me like seven years to pay that off, and it was uh, it was a real nightmare. And uh, and and but at that same time, I was a real estate broker. I had to I had to look the part, so I still right. paid for like a 600 dollar a month car, and had to dress in suits, and so like there was this whole lifestyle attached to it. And and I know it was a mistake, and I know that I didn't need to live it to know that it was a mistake. <laughs> Maybe it was an exception to the rule I just stated. So if I could tell myself that, uh, you know. Oh God! When was that? I don't know. Twenty years ago, I would I would not have made that mistake. So guys, don't work for for commission unless you don't have to. Get paid for your time. Yeah, yeah, I, I say that all the time too. I mean, it, it's not about not about being greedy or getting rich. It's just about what makes sense, you know. Like yeah. don't don't work don't work on spec. It's yeah, a lifestyle, <laughs> right? Like you have to be yeah. okay with with that kind of like highs and lows as far right. as earning. You know, one month you can make ten grand. Next three months you make nothing. So you got to be able to be really smart financially to know that ten grand is not ten grand. It's really like two. Yeah. Yeah. Spread out over six months. Commission. There's always a sense of desperation. That's all you take away from it. There's those highs and those moments when you got that that bonus, the the whatever you want to call it. But for the the most part, there's this sense of desperation. Even when you get that big bonus, you're like, yes. Oh crap! I've got now. I've got it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I got to keep doing. I mean, it's yeah. This commission sucks. If you can, if you can avoid it, piecemeal commission, yeah. different. But if you can avoid that too, if that's a, your your sole source of income, you know, I I applied for a job and was offered a job at a car dealership when I was in my early twenties because I was into Volvos and there was like an opening. I was like, oh, I'll go work at the Volvo place. I pulled into my old Volvo. They, oh, you know, and then I realized within like a half hour of the interview. <laughs> That like that that's like oh this is like the worst friggin' job on the planet like I was like doing the math in my head as he's telling me all these numbers I'm like how do any of these guys even pay for the the polo shirts they're wearing right now like it just didn't yeah. make sense to me I was like I have to sell how many cars a month to like make a thousand dollars a month you know like, I, I sold I don't know how people do it years and it was the most money legally I've ever made at, at first really first period of time. used yeah. cars though right. Of course, you make way more money on used cars. I sold. Yeah. I worked at a yeah. Toyota dealership, so I believed in the product. Toyota's a good car. You don't make a lot of money on new 
cars that range at this time this is 20 years plus ago uh, um, there was very little a couple hundred dollars on a new Camry let's say right mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you can turn a used car into hundreds and hundreds of dollars because you yeah. know the, the powers that be mark it up and do what they do but there's just more money in, in, in a used car I made a lot of money for it but after two years I was just I felt so icky mm. and again there's that desperation mm. I also worked from I mean till when they opened till they closed six days a week I was yeah. there selling. That's how I made so much money because I was there constantly. Constantly, as soon as you sell a car, you're selling the next one. In fact, while you're selling the car, you're selling the next one to the people you sold the car to, hoping they'll come back and buy their next one from you. I mean, there's so mm. much, like I said, desperation. That's what it felt like to me. It was like that desperation. You're only as good as your next sale, all that crap, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I couldn't. I couldn't do it, man. I did it. I did it for five years. It was tough. It was really yeah. tough. There were moments where, because you're thinking like, man, this next deal, I know it. I know this this next thing. All I need is this next thing. You feel like a gambler. Oh, Gil. But it's going to happen. Let, yeah. Let's clarify. We're not giving advice not to do these things. We're giving you experiences that we had personally. Yeah. So if you just, are a salesperson and you're happy with that and it works for you, because I know some of these people, they're amazing people. They don't, the stress doesn't bother them and they, they, they have balanced their lives out working commission that's good for you and we're not don't say don't you know we're not putting anybody down we just want to no, no, some no. people will yell at us if they think we like one product over the other or something you know. I'm saying I'm saying yeah. know what you're getting into that's what I'm saying yeah. understand right. the lifestyle yeah. like I'm in sales I love sales but I make a base first I, I right. got my nut covered you know what I mean that's how I that's how I can mm. sleep at night um, but commission only yeah. that, was, that was a tough gig yeah yeah, that was, uh, it was just too scary for me. Like, I mean, I'm a guy, like, I don't have a job. Like, I haven't had a job in a long time, and I'm willing to roll the dice, but it's based on my knowing what I am capable of. And, but, like, it puts too much power in the consumer's hands that way, or, like, in the boss's hands. It was just, like, I, I feel like you don't have con as much control. And again, that's me. I, I'm not a salesman. I'm a terrible salesman. So <laughs> that's probably why, you know. No, but the difference for you is, in a way. yeah, for sure, you're selling yourself. But you have opportunity, right? Yeah. So if, like, you're not getting the orders for whatever, ah, uh, you know what, I'll put some piano keys on Etsy. I'll make some coffee tables. You know what I mean? You could hustle yeah. your way out of that hole. Whereas commission, yeah. you're, you're, or whatever the industry you're in, if you're selling houses, whatever the case may be, dry market is a dry market. It's a dry market. Right. Yeah. There's no houses yeah. because it's a seller's market right now. And, like, you know what, there's no inventory of houses. There's no inventory of houses. You know, so yeah. it's it's funny because in Montreal right now where I live, like specifically in the suburb I'm in right now, the market is so hot, you could sell your house in five minutes, sight unseen, but now you'll never be able to find another house to move into. So people are right, selling to, their houses. You have to move out for it to work. Yeah. Right, right. You have to have a plan of what you're going to do. So people are selling their houses, getting bridge loans so that they can figure out where they're going to live. But all to say, like, the inventory is so short that they, they sell so fast that there just aren't enough houses on the market to sustain them. And that's why the prices are so high right now. So my wife's like, maybe we should cash out. I was like, yeah, but then where do we go? Well, maybe where you're working? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Great questions. Yeah. Great questions yes. from all these people. That was fun. Everybody. That was fun. And we should do that again, like not just every 100 episodes, you know? Well, we might, um, maybe what we should do is we, we should add another segment to the podcast. And if there are questions, we can read them out. And so be it. We can call it uh, questions. 
So well, I think we're always open to taking questions. Send us a question yeah. anytime for any reason. Yeah. Yeah. And if, there, if there's a ton of them, we'll do we'll we'll do them all. And if there's only one, we'll do that. And if there's none, we'll make they'll tell off-color jokes. That's the only color he sees. <laughs> I, I, I say that um, here's an off-color joke. Uh, Here we go. Is, well, I'm, just I'm saying, sorry. Orange I, is a color. Fault. Orange is a Paul Jackman color. So everybody, feel free to send us questions except Paul Jackman. Or about Paul Jackman, like oh, wow. send everybody oh. send us questions about Paul Jackman. And, I have personal. And we'll answer them. Right yeah, like, like Paul no, Jackman. We'll just, yeah. Why? Right. And then we'll answer why. We'll answer why we believe that to be the case. Right. I I can answer the question. Does he snore? <clears throat> I don't think anyone asked. Let's uh, move on here. Uh, we'll save the reviews for next time. Weekly tip we'll save for next time. Uh, we'll grab your attention. We'll save for next time. Uh, let's move on to our uh, <laughs> websites. Ironandsoul.com. Wait, 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 wait. I have to just say because I've been doing the t-shirt segment at the end of the podcast. Oh. And this is our last t-shirt segment for a while, at least, until we make other t-shirts. Um, that the last reclaimed audio, or, yeah, reclaimed audio podcast uh, t-shirt of the original batch that will never be made again is gone to Rebecca DeGroote, who messaged me like... I mean, I don't think she couldn't even listen to the whole podcast yet. I just posted it last week, and um, and she was like, "Hey, did anybody take that T-shirt yet?" And so, uh, as soon as I saw who was messaging, I was like, "I was like, I know exactly what to do." And so, um, if you don't know who Rebecca DeGroote is, go check her out on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. But you know, Instagram's an easy way to find her, and uh, she makes all these really cool wood turnings and stuff, and they have this sort of bug-like quality, like spider legs and stuff. So I made a spider leg template and added those to our logo and it was my favorite i'm, I'm so glad that that was the way the t-shirt run yeah ended it was cool because i loved making all of them all the silly things i did with the words and the stencils and stuff but doing that was just the best way to end that line of shirts so thank you rebecca yeah uh, just real quick to elaborate on what she does i don't like spiders i really yeah. really don't and she doesn't just make turnings of these things that have this uh, insect-like quality but these things are so tiny and finessed and it's it's like porcelain i mean seriously her work her art is phenomenal you have to check it out it's not like a big bowl it's like this little tiny thing she turned on this machine that could rip your arm off and the the, the quality the finesse what, what's the word i'm trying to look for here this um delicate i think you got it right delicate yeah. yes the yeah. delicateness yeah she, she makes these finials that are like they're oh like gosh. less than an eighth of an inch in diameter right. of wood turns i don't even understand on a lathe, it on a lathe that you yeah. can turn like a, a gigantic grapefruit bowl on right yeah yeah, yeah i don't understand how she does it yeah. she's amazing we love rebecca thank yeah. you rebecca <clears throat> i'm gonna say my website again um ironandsoul.com williamlutes.com timsway.net newperspectivesmusic.com contact us for show topics suggestions feedback all that good stuff we love hearing from you guys uh, feel free to send us questions now because maybe we'll have this segment uh, by email info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com all three of us get that email and twitter at reclaimedaudio um, on iTunes leave us those reviews we have a tiny bit of a backlog we'll read it out next week uh, but there is a link to leaving reviews on our website, reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. It'll pop up your uh, your iTunes and you can leave a review there. Uh, Patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio, the absolute best way to ensure we make another 200 episodes, boys. No. I'm down. Let's no. do it. Everybody get off your butts. Go to Patreon. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can commit to that unless uh, four more years. Unless the support. Four more years. <laughs> <laughs> more asbestos. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so that was uh, that was a fun one. Thanks, guys, and have a great week. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Be good.